Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tarviran podcast where I am Bill and I'm running very, very late today. <laughs> so, And I'm Rich and I'm very, very on time. <laughs> you are very, very on time and I do apologize because you being on time means you have got up at the arse crack of dawn. <laughs> yep, basically. <clears throat> Whereas for me, I just I, I was literally talking to someone and then someone else said, oh my God, my computer's on fire. <laughs> the PC that sounds awesome. The PC wasn't actually on fire, but you know, that's my job. I, I, I work in IT support and I'm very much the man who's leaned upon <laughs> in, the, in his neck of the woods. Oh, um, and I also, I couldn't find my phone anywhere, but I just found it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I am all over the place today. So how's it going, Rich? That's going. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm worn out. <laughs> That's right. We'll make it a short one, despite the fact we've got a rather chunky episode to talk about. Although all the good stuff happens at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, this uh, this chapter it's it sets up to something pretty good at the end. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so to follow our our usual our usual uh, uh, outline, um, I think we normally do iTunes reviews, um, which we haven't got any, but we've had a few nice comments on YouTube. <laughs> but I did say nice. I did say I wasn't really going to read through the YouTube comments. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, there's just a few people chimed in and gone, "Hey, I like the fact I found this on YouTube. Thank you very much." And it's just like, "Hey, you're welcome." <laughs> so yeah, I, I like that sort of stuff. Uh, so if there is an iTunes review, uh, we can leave that up to uh, yourself and uh, Rob for next week. Rich, okay. I didn't. I don't see any as of now. So uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there was one. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what there might or might not be in this world? I certainly don't. I'm, I'm very confused, lad. <laughs> uh, That's okay. Uh, like I said, I'm just like all over the place today. Uh, anyway, so speaking of me, Rich, uh, this is my last episode for a while. I know. I'm a little, little sad by that, but no, uh, it's what it is. I am too. I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, begin my hiatus from. Uh, Tarviran podcast first. Uh, now, the reason the reason for that is because there is three of us. <laughs> yep. Um, there's only me, uh, me and you for um, uh, the RPG Golden Years podcast. So you know, I have to make sure there's enough stuff done there so that me and you are ready for when I take a break. Uh, but I believe you've got some stuff lined up with uh, Scott and Jay, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're all going to do a, hopefully you'll do a first impressions on uh, the new Pokemon game. Yep. I really want to hear that. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, um, <laughs> no, what, There's a couple things here and there that I want to talk about. What you should do, and, and if you're listening, Colin, Colin you should, because uh, I think, have you bought Romancing Saga free, Rich? Yes, I have. Have you dived into it yet? No, I haven't. Ah, because, <laughs> oh my God, at the moment, um, Oh, sorry. Uh, this is the wrong podcast to talk about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move on. I'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> sorry, I just suddenly forgot what podcast I was doing. Uh, yeah, this, this is Talvira, not Golden Years. Um, yep, uh, and I've, I've already arranged stuff with uh, Tyler and uh, Troy for my other two podcasts to make sure they're covered while I'm off. So, nice. so it's just this one. I'm going to have to hand it over to you guys early so that I can get all the other stuff ready. 
That's yeah, fine. I've had to book in some extra recording time with Tyler and um, and uh, Troy. And Troy, I know Troy's in the same situation. He's he's having a baby. We've got the same due date. Did you know that? Wow. <laughs> yeah, our our, our 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 children are both due on the same day, but thousands nice. of thousands upon thousands of miles apart. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Small world. <laughs> but I think only two percent of babies are normally born on that day. Um, on their due date, those. Uh, yeah. So I don't think there's any real wheel of time news. It's not the it's not the normal wheel of time Wednesday. So no. No, no news on uh, Tom yet. So no, no news on Tom. Except uh, people suspect he may be that guy who is in the video, who <laughs> nobody knows who he is yet. <laughs> right, we'll see. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so hopefully next week we'll have some more news. But for this week, let's get into it, Rich. Let's get into Four Kings in Shadow. The shadow descends upon the Four Kings. So what is the Four Kings, Rich? That's an N. Is it up or then, No, it's the town. Oh, it's the town. Yeah, the town. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> yes. So Matt and Rand on their horrible travels, uh, which have been slightly improving recently. You know, we, we normally get the little bit of improvement before everything goes uh, goes to pop. <laughs> yeah. They're learning how to be, uh, you know, yeah. Gleeman and everything else. So Yeah, trainee Gleeman. Rand's getting quite good on his flute. <laughs> Rand's getting yep. good at playing with his flute. <laughs> Matt's getting yep. good at playing with his balls. So, you know... The, the, <laughs> You know, look into that how you will. <laughs> uh, but yes, they, they are apprentice gleemen in training. And uh, they've been doing a good job so far of stopping off at the towns and um, gradually, you know, work, going to the inns, saying, hey, we'll play, for, we'll, we'll, we'll play our way through the night for a bit of food and board and then we'll move on. And so far, the innkeepers have been very good and very uh, forthcoming. Um, but... Yeah, they finally reach a place called uh, Four Kings, which they note that there isn't a lot of like farmland around to actually support the um, to support uh, the, the the actual town. So it's more of a merchant's town, and there's lots of inns. And they talk about how the um, uh, like the the roadways in are just all pitted and like lots of crevices in them and stuff. And Rand even talks about how he fell over. He got out of the, um, the cart that they were riding on and almost got immediately got run over by another cart and got sworn at. <laughs> One of the things I like is how they describe about how everybody in this town just swears their head off rich. <laughs> oh yeah. Very, very vulgar. Yeah. Everyone's effing and blinding. And he talks about, he compares it to the women at home who normally just like stand gossiping over the fence. Whereas, uh, the women here curse so much that even made Matt turn his eyes. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> um, so yeah, even Matt's offended by the amount of cursing that goes on here. And yeah, so, and then Rand, when he nearly gets run over by a car, also gets cursed at by someone. But they go past a couple of different inns um, and they can hear inside the inns that there are musicians playing. And so they think, no, I'll give that one, I'll, I'll avoid that one because they've already obviously got some entertainment going on. They're not going to want uh, two apprentices. Uh, they go past another inn and another inn until they finally reach the fourth inn, Rich, the dancing Cartman. Yes. So this is Cartman from South Park, right? It is very much Cartman. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got his uh, he's sexy little uh, bikini on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, beef cake. <laughs> beef cake. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's just what I thought of when I read this. Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're dark, dark, dark come. And uh, yeah, all, <laughs> all, all the inns in the town are very brightly coloured, almost like tinkerish. And, um, uh, but this inn is exactly the same. It's got nice bright colours, 
uh, uh, but he they mentioned how like you know it looks a bit worse for wear this in the paint's peeling off the walls and uh, yeah it just doesn't look very good but more importantly the inn is quiet you know there's a bit of hum and a bustle inside but there's no music coming from it so they think all right we'll, we'll try our chance at this one and they walk into the inn and they speak to the innkeeper who name is i want to say gelb no gelb was the guy on the goad goad that's it goad gelb you know you know generally if your name's beginning with a g because i think even later on there's another sort of bumhole guy in this and his name begins with g as well mm -hmm. more confusing Thank, thanks mr jordan <laughs> uh, but yes geld geld is the innkeeper and rand makes a note of the fact that he's not very fat he's a skinny innkeeper <laughs> and what what should you never do rich never should go there <laughs> never no never trust a skinny innkeeper <laughs> no, that's true yeah don't do that Egwene's dad was a chunky was a chunky man the man who helped him out in the inn in Berlon was a chunky guy and uh, yeah uh, this is like Rand's like oh this guy's thin he's not very fat <laughs> and um, yeah he's he's not a very nice man <laughs> so most of the people so far have been giving you know Matt and Rand a bed for the night something to eat and um, yeah this guy's just like nah yeah you, you guys can sleep on some pallets. <laughs> yep. And still had to pay for it too, I think, right? Uh, no, I think he said that. And then Rand's just, and he says like, you'll have to pay for your food. And Rand's just like, no, no, we'll, we'll have our food and we'll have it. So Rand starts to bar with the guy basically. Yeah. And the guy's not very up for it. He's like, I've already got a musician. And then one of the, one of the waitresses will pass and goes, you've got a drunk. <laughs> I'll be surprised if he's sober enough to find where the stage is. And he just backhands her. Yeah, she she falls on her ass, and it's just like, whoa, you know, alarm bells are already ringing here, Rich, already ringing. You know, he slaps slaps the waitress, she falls over, and then he docks her for breaking the pot that she had. In her, like, she, she's got a tray of drinks. She spills one of the drinks and breaks one of the cups, and he's like, all right, I'm going to duck that from your pay. Just like nothing. Yeah, and she's just like, what? I was like, yeah, it happens. Yeah, she doesn't even react to it. She just gets up, rubs her cheek, and walks off. And I'd be like, I'd be pissed, man. <laughs> I'd be fuming. Um, and one of the things that um, one of the things that got asked on our uh, Discord by Asherman Tannis was like, why didn't they just leave at this point and go sleep under the bushes? <laughs> well, because honestly, once you start getting used to sleeping inside after being outside so long, you kind of just deal with it. Yep, that's that's exactly what I said on Discord. I said, screw that, I'd want room and board for the evening. Especially as, and we haven't really mentioned this, like before they go into the inn, there's a lot of dark clouds rolling over, rolling over the town. And, there's, you know, they can feel the pressure in the air. And just as, I think even Matt says, just before they accept the terms with the innkeeper, he says, like, should we should we stay here? And then there's like a crack of thunder. And they're yep. like, mm, yeah, let's 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 stay <laughs> let's stay here for the night. We don't want to get caught out in this in this weather. And so yeah, so they agree to do it, and they go and set themselves up on stage. But the innkeeper has been the whole time glancing his eyes over a certain item that Rand has got strapped to his waist. That would be something stupid, probably. No, it's the sword. Yeah, the black the black mamba. <laughs> <laughs> Rand's Black Mumba, or, or the Heron Marked Sword that he got from Tam at the very, the very early stages of this show. <laughs> so, yep, he's constantly looking at it. And then when they go set themselves up on stage, 
he notices he's looking at it. He notices a uh, hake and uh, what's the other guy called? You got hake and uh, Jack. Jack, yeah, the the two um, the two bouncers. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So and he notices they're all looking at him, and uh, the innkeeper just will not take his eyes off of his sword, and he's just like he says he wants it. Yeah, he wants it bad. And he turns to Matt and goes, uh, they're going to, <laughs> they're going to rob us. <laughs> we should probably get out of here. And Matt's just like, nah, after we've eaten something. <laughs> and this is, this is the thing for like the next 20 minutes of the book is that Rand is just sitting there thinking, oh God, <laughs> these guys are going to rob us. <laughs> and then he's like, yep. every time he says it to Matt, he's just like, nah, let's wait until we've had a sleep. <laughs> it's like, no, no, they're going to rob us. They're going to rob us, Matt. Um, you know, Matt, you're the suspicious one. <laughs> He's just probably tired. <laughs> yeah, I think they're both very tired. They've had a rough, a rough ride into town. Uh, but they set up, they set themselves up on the stage, and um, even even now, Rand just thinks, do you know what? It's a bit too late. We've just got to see this bit through now. No, run away, guys, run away. Uh, but he starts playing, uh, and he realizes uh, he starts playing a lot of songs like uh, <laughs> Jolly Jane. Uh, Rhea's Fling in Colors of Sun. Uh, uh, and he realizes that a lot of the ones that he plays often have different names. So he, yep. he quite often, people are shouting out names of songs to him. And he goes, hey, how me the tune? He's like, oh, I know that one. Like he knows the drunken peddler. But they keep calling it Tinker in the Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you don't want to ask what that Tinker's doing in your kitchen, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no. He's just sitting there, and they, they kind of take it in terms of the two of them. Matt's playing on his flute, and uh, Matt's juggling some balls. And occasionally as well, he mentions about the fact that people start shouting for one or the other. <laughs> like some people want Matt, uh, Rand to keep playing, on this, uh, keep playing on his flute, and some people want Matt to keep juggling his balls. You know? And as, as we know, Matt's very good at juggling balls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can juggle his balls all night long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, Hake's not the bouncer. Hake's the in, innkeeper. That's his last name. I think, I think so. Yeah. Sorry, I got I got confused. No, Goat is the is it Goat? That's the no. It's Jack. Jack and Strom are the bouncers, and Hake is the innkeeper. I think he's. For, I think he's like. Um, uh, would you? Would you oh no no no. Okay, Goat is actually the oh. creepy. Yeah. Oh, the creepy guy who comes in in a minute. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, Hakes, the innkeeper. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> like I say, I'm very disorganized today. So, so many characters. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Jack and Strom are the bouncers. Um, <clears throat> Hake is the innkeeper. And Gobe. Yeah. Gobe is, the, is a merchant who comes in in a little bit. Yeah. He, he's a very rich uh, merchant. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, so the the place fills up. There's fights breaking out. You know, we see Jack and Strom taking care of the fights as they will, and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's all it's all very you know, it's kind of all going okay at the moment. But Rand keeps looking over at Hake. Hake's looking at Rand, and then Rand eventually realizes actually he's not looking at me. He's looking at all the stuff piled behind me, including my sword. And every time I put my silver, my <laughs> well, my I say my uh, Tom's nice silver flute down. And he's just like, ah, oh, man, these guys are just going to rob us so badly. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then, yes, this is where we get a creepy guy walks in. He kind of walks in out of the rain because it's pissing down by this point. <laughs> Absolutely pissing down. And 
he's soaking wet. He takes a quick look round, looks to turn out, looks to walk out of the pub, and then spots Matt and Rand. And he stops, and then he goes and takes a seat. And uh, everyone, everyone can feel how creepy this guy is. Every time someone goes to sit near him or share his table, he gives them a look, and they get up and they walk off. <laughs> and oh, so, yeah. so there's kind of like this aura around this guy who's just walked in. And it starts to make Rand feel even more anxious because all he's doing is looking at them and smiling. <laughs> you know, he get, like when I, I I've read this I've read this chapter several times now, Rich, and it's going like the guy gives me like creepy pedophile vibes <laughs> in the way he's yeah. doing. It's just like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> what's, what's he up to? Um, and yeah, so. <clears throat> Matt, this, this makes them feel even more uncomfortable. And so, you know, they talk to Gelb. Uh, Gelb, Gelb's the guy from the bloody spray. <sighs> right. Uh, they talk to Hake, the innkeeper, you know, about, his, about their dinner. And he's like, all right, guys, you go and have your dinner quick, but don't take too long. I want you back out here playing before the customers get upset. So they go out to the back. And this is where we get the fat cook who starts filling up a bowl with uh, meats, potatoes, and peas. Oh, man. <laughs> Makes my mouth, it's making my mouth water. It's lunchtime here, man. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> and yeah, Matt and Rand are just like, oh my God, I'm going to plow into this so badly. Rand even mentions before she's finished making uh, Rand's bowl up, Matt's already half finished his first plate for and is asking for more. <laughs> please, please, man, may I have some more? And uh, yeah, yep. while, while he's sitting there, he can't help but notice, or he can't help but overhear the, uh, the conversation going on between the waitresses. Who all hate, or who all hate Hake. <laughs> they all hate him with a passion, but you know, for some reason, they just continue to work with him. And um, they're all sitting there rubbing their sore feet, and they're all discussing the man in black who's walked in. Now, we say man in black, this isn't a murderer. He's revealed his face. He's kind of got a cheeky boyish face, they describe him as. And um, they're just like, oh, he must be so rich. <laughs> like one of them says he's a bit he's a bit too fat for my liking but it doesn't matter how fat they are as long as there's money to go with it <laughs> um and yeah it they talk about the fact that he actually went to every apparently he went to every other inn in town and just walked straight out until he got to this one and they even joke about how crappy this inn is <laughs> so it's very yeah. surprising that this guy decided to stop at their inn <laughs> um and yeah it's like Hmm. Okay. This just sets it off. Sets it off hundred percent in Rand's head. Says says to him, a dark he says to Matt, this guy's a dark friend. Um and he yeah, Matt's uh, Rand's just really suspicious and he's just like, I sure I he feels like he even recognizes the guy. This would be freaking me out. And I think this is where we learn that um he goes outside. He goes out into the rain, and he looks at the uh, the stable, uh, the cart, the, the man, this man, who we don't know who his name is yet. Although me and Rich have called him Gobe twenty times throughout the episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he goes out into the uh, where the horses are kept and where the guys' carts are, and he reads the side of the cart, um, and he realizes, oh my god, this is uh, Goad, uh, Goad the merchant. It's all like emblazoned in gold on the side of his carts that he's been travelling in. And he's just like, I recognise that from uh, Whitebridge. He's like, oh shit, <laughs> they're being followed. Yeah, this guy's been following us since Whitebridge. The uh, the ladies, the ladies were all gossiping. All mentioned that apparently when he rode into town, his horses were blowing really hard, like he'd been pushing them. And 
yep, he puts two and two together and realizes, yeah, this guy, this guy's probably a dark friend. But we had the more pressing things to deal with is that um, Hake and his buddies are still going to rob him. <laughs> so yeah, they got to watch out for that. Yeah, so they're a bit, they're a bit stuffed at this point. They're kind of trapped inside this inn. They can't really get out. They have to go back out on stage and play and watch this creepy man. And the creepy man starts winking and smiling at them. <laughs> you know, this is, this is where I start getting like the old uh, Michael Jackson feels here. It's just like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, hey, hey, little boys. Uh, yeah, Goad, Goad's really creepy. Uh, you should listen to the audio book as well. When he speaks later on, they do a proper creepy voice for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just like, oh, man, this, this, guy, could, this, this guy makes my skin crawl. And um, yeah, so anyway, they get to the end of the night. Uh, Jake and Storm kick, kick everyone out. <laughs> and including the merchant. Oh no, actually the merchant quickly runs up to Hake and uh, books a bed for the night. <coughs> so he's staying in the inn. And as he goes up the stairs, gives him another wink. <laughs> oh man, Gabe is so creepy. Oh, oh anyway, <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, <coughs> And so uh, Hake makes, um, well, Hake, Hake, Jack, and Storm all lead Matt and uh, Rand to their quarters. And uh, Rand even says, "Hey, <laughs> you, you need these two guys to show me, show us to the to our beds." And he's like, "I'm a man of property. <laughs> man of property can't be too careful." <laughs> and it's just like. Ah, oh, really? <laughs> like this whole time, there's all thunder crashing around. So it's just like, ah, oh, man, they are proper being cornered here. Proper being cor- cornered. How do you feel at this moment, Rich? Uh, I feel good. <laughs> you feel good? I, I, I feel good. Yeah, I really I'm... About this whole thing. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, uh-huh. no, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get gang raped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like these three men following us in. There's a weird, creepy guy upstairs. Oh man, this is just like pure, pure. This is just alarm bells are ringing. You've just got to try and get out as soon as you can. But they get taken all the way to the back into this weird little basement thing where there's no locks on the door either, so they can't lock themselves in. And uh, like, it's lucky that the the blade is heron marked because Rand just keeps sort of like cas- casually placing his his hand on it, and it's you feel like they're about to rob them and then hate kind of like waves everyone away. And even like yeah. the two, the two bouncers look at hate. Like, what? Why are you waving us away? And it's just like, he's clearly a little bit nervous about the fact that Rand has got this sword. And he's just like, well, uh, let's, eh, let's not do it yet. And he, even Matt says, oh, they did rob us. <laughs> and Rand's just like, yeah, they're going to wait till we're asleep. <laughs> yeah. That's the sense. That's the sensible time to rob someone when they're sleeping. Oh, so, so they end up in this place. Rand finds two little wedges or something that he puts underneath the door. He waits for a crack of lightning, hammers them in with his foot, just crack, crack, uh, and just to sort of try anything he can to seal the door. And so they're like, right, shit, guys, how can we get out of this room? <laughs> There's one little window. So they, um, they use all their strength and all their power, and they break the window open, only to find that there are metal bars on the outside. <laughs> And it's like, oh, no. Oh, shit. And then it, Matt's just like, the water's coming in through the window. It's beginning to pull on the floor. Matt runs around the room. He finds a crowbar, starts trying to crowbar their way out. Moves half an inch, and there's loads of nails that pop out. 
And so every time there's a crack of thunder, they're trying to move these bars out and it's just going slowly, slowly. I like the use of the word a hair's breadth as well, Rich. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's pretty good. It moves him doing that. It moves a hair's breadth. It's just like, oh mate, that's like it's like trying to it's like it moves a Rizzler. <laughs> the, the width yeah. of a Rizzler out. <laughs> Not that I know what Rizzler is. Um and they're gradually trying to do it, and then eventually there's a quick big crack of thunder and they drop the thing, it hits the bars, makes a ton of noise, and they're like, shit, they're gonna know we're trying to escape. Yep. But they don't hear anything. No. Uh, oh, okay. No, no. Okay, then they're they're not obviously, they obviously think they obviously trust in these bars. So they get back to work and then eventually there comes a little rat rat tat a tat at the door. Who's that? Who's come for a visit, Rich? It's not the innkeeper. It's not the innkeeper. It's not the bouncers. It's our weird nope. creepy pedophile friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Gabe. <laughs> Hello, Gabe. Yeah. I'm Gab, and I've come to dance encampment. <laughs> oh, sorry. I need more coffee. <laughs> um, I'll just let you go with that. It's fine. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, man. Creepy old Gabe. Um, and he tells the boys. He's like, well, Rand, Rand just shouts out and goes, hey, go away, Hake. We're trying to sleep. And he's just like, hey, I fear you have mistaken me. <laughs> I fear you have mistaken me. <laughs> I'm Hal Gab. Master Hake and his minions will not trouble us. They sleep soundly. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh, yeah. Will you let me in, my young friends? We must talk. Oh, mate, everything this guy says just really creeps me out so much. Matt shouts out, go away, let us sleep, let us sleep. And it's just like, everything's getting really tense now. And the guy just openly says, like, my master has sent me to come find you. You must be very important. He even, he even accuses him of possibly being dreadlords. Yeah. And um, how he thinks, yeah, you must be two dreadlords waiting, like being summoned to be there when our, when our master awakens. And Rand says, you can hear, you can hear the lust for that power in his voice. Oh, God, it's so creepy. I, lo- I just love the writing. It's so good. And we get a nice little shout of blood and ashes as well. <laughs> um, and it all seems like it's going to fall to pieces. Like they refuse to go with him. Uh, Gabe orders his men to start trying to break down the door and they're hammering at it and every time they hammer it the little wedges just move an extra inch bringing them yep. closer into the door Matt's going what are we going to do he says Matt looks like a trapped badger which isn't <laughs> which considering <laughs> what Matt did in the beginning of the books and badgers I think it's a great little description and also a nice little callback <laughs> yeah, he's kind of freaking out because yeah Matt was the one who released a load of badgers over the uh, <laughs> over the village square <laughs> <laughs> yeah chase off a bunch of girls um so yeah now he looks like a scared badger like darting from the window and around everything's going wrong Rand's just like oh my god how are we going to get out of this what can we do to escape and then suddenly a bright light just appears and flashes and it sends Rand flying across the room and he's just like oh what the hell was that and as he sort of begins to gain his senses a bit he's looking around and the door has flown off its hinges and they can't see anyone behind the door. They're all gone. Gabe suddenly disappeared. And also there's a huge hole in the wall uh, where, the, where the window and the bars were. There's just nothing there. Really. Yep. It's all gone. And Rand doesn't know what's mm-hmm. happened. And then suddenly from underneath the pile of crates, Matt just sort of stands up <laughs> and like, looks vaguely in, Matt, in Rand's direction. He's like, Rand? Rand, is that you? Are you there? Rand's just like, yeah, yeah, this is me, Matt. What happened? I, d- I didn't see what happened. <laughs> 
know, Matt's just like, oh, Jesus, man, a, a bit of lightning, a bit of lightning hit the window. <laughs> I was looking directly at it. And he's just like, shit, Rand, I can't see a thing. <laughs> so yeah so it's huge bolt of lightning came out of nowhere hit the window and uh yeah blinded matt slightly and seemed to have taken out all of their enemies in one swell in one foul swoop yeah as i'm not sure how that happened but yeah as we like to say in england that was lofty <laughs> now oh, now we don't like to spoil things in this podcast <laughs> sure so we won't so yeah Rand's just like oh my God, like, I just don't understand. Like, like, like it was just lightning. Wow. This is crazy. And yeah, yeah, it's just like how convenient that a bit of lightning comes down, hits the wall, smashes it into pieces, takes out all their enemies, leaves Matt and Rand mostly safe. You know, obviously it's, it's hurt Matt's eyes quite a lot and he can barely see anything. Uh, yeah. Very, very convenient. <laughs> um, but uh, the guy, so, you know, Let's not look a gift horse in the mouth, as, uh, as we say, or Bella. Let's not look Bella the creator in the mouth, as we say. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, get out. Yeah, they make like a tree and they leave. <laughs> uh, but Rand has to carry Matt, and he talks about how he's like falling over all the divots. They're getting pissed on by the rain. It's absolutely pouring down, and he tries his best not to stare back until the very last second, where he st- turns around and he can just about see the dancing Cartman, and there's a man outside shaking his fist at them or at the sky. He can't tell. He doesn't know whether it's goad or hake, but he thinks at this point it doesn't even matter. They're both as bad as each other. May they, <laughs> may they both rot in hell. Um, That's right. Yeah, and that brings us to, a, an, to a, an end of the chapter. So Matt and Rand are in a bit of a desperate situation. They've managed to escape by... I mean, what are the chances of lightning hitting those bars? And how lucky are they they weren't trying to pry the bars out with a crowbar at the time? <laughs> But yeah, it's pretty odd timing. That would have absolutely fried them. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where we are. And then the next chapter is really good as well. Uh, so you, you, and, you and Rob have got an absolute joy for a chapter next week. But yeah, this was the big yeah. moment, the big lightning moment in this book. This is a key moment in the books. The lightning hits the thing, blinds Matt. This really sets up like the last half of this book. And, and the boys are there. there. The, boy, the boys escape. You know, this sets it all up. This is why I was like, oh my God, this is such a big chapter. Because I always remember this scene when I think of these books. But what we'll do is now, Rich, we'll have a quick readings with Rob. And then we'll go on from there. So yeah, here is this week's readings with Roberto. Hey guys, it's Rob. Sorry I couldn't make the live recording with with Rich and Bill. Uh, I thought I'd just uh, drop a little recording here before readings, just to give my thoughts on this chapter. First and foremost, I want to uh, congratulate Bill that everything goes well. Healthy baby, healthy mother, healthy family. So all the best to you, Bill, in your endeavors in the next couple months. Baby duty, I know we both know it well and has its pluses and minuses, but good on you, mate. First off, I just listened to the audio that uh, my two compadres just put together. I'm going to go ahead and say it, kind of one of the creepier pods. Glad I'm not one part of the uh, original recording. Uh, between the uh, Cartman references and the Michael Jackson references and the Hal Goad references, yeah, kind of glad I wasn't there for the live recording. Anyway, bear with me. I want to go over some notes I made, uh, notes for the chapter and then notes from the recording. This is one of the key chapters of this book, Four Kings and Shadows. 
As as I had said in previous podcasts, we're hitting what I consider to be the what I consider to be the sweet spot of this of this book of the first book, where we get chapter after chapter after chapter. We get Perrin and Egwene detained by the White Cloaks, and then we have the adventures of of Matt and Rand as they're trying to make their way east towards Camelin. How they're finding it trouble at every stop, be it farmers' daughters, be it farmers' dogs. Or be it dark friends, and as we will find to be a trend, skinny innkeepers. You know, the boys have all the best intentions. They had a good run as fledgling gleeman, started from the Grinwell farm, and they made a good, good little run. Good, put some coin in their pockets, food in their bellies, and roof over their heads, and they were doing good until they got to Four Kings. You know, they come to the dancing cartman, you know. I'm glad Bill did the Cartman impersonation because I'm not going to put that out there. I, I don't feel confident in my and my uh, Cartman impersonation abilities, but thankfully Bill took took care of that for me. And uh, Michael Jackson, I'm not touching that phrasing. Sorry, I'm not going to impersonate Michael Jackson. And I had some big notes on here. I was gonna I was gonna absolutely lambast Bill because he was the one who decided to not edit out me mixing up the two rivers, Emmons Field, and that stuff, I'm still getting shade over, deservedly so. But when they said that Goad was the uh, innkeeper and that Hake was the uh, one of the bouncers, I had notes on here, and I was going to lambast them for it. But they caught themselves, or Bill caught himself at the right time. So Samuel Hake, the skinny innkeeper, right off the bat, we get how... Things are going to go in this place when he when he backhands the uh, the maid who just basically says your your current entertainment is drunk, you know, and he gets the back she gets the back of his hand and she's okay with it and walks off. That should have sent red flags going everywhere. Potentially there was a fifth in they could have gone to, but I get that they they wanted to uh, stay put, you know, at least try this place out. But in 1990 when this book came out. You know, that scene is seen in one way. But in 2019, that scene takes on a whole other whole, whole other uh, air. And definitely, definitely not a good sign. However, the boys probably can smell the food from the kitchen, realize that they have the ability to play for their supper, as always, even though Hank is telling them, no, you ain't. Some scraps in the back of the back of the room, you know, no promises, all that, all that kind of jargon. The boys decide to to, to to try and power through, so they go ahead and set up shop to entertain the crowd. And of course, the country bumpkins they are. The heron, I guess you can't help but see the heron mark sword. Rain is playing from a silver flute, so they're showing that they have some items on them that people of of lesser ilk will will covet and want to try and take. And Rand picks up on that very quickly. He realizes, yeah, we're 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 gonna be in for it. So don't want to get robbed. Definitely don't want to lose the sword. God forbid if they happened to see Matt's dagger, they would have just probably pounced on him at that moment immediately. You know, during the night, as as we know, during during their uh, first set, Howl Goad comes in. Howl Goad. Howl Goad. Enters the establishment, sits down at a table. My comment was would have been that he has a big sign that says "fuck off." So anytime someone sat down, he'd show them a sign. Hey, see this? 
Fuck off. Yeah, I, I guess he was winking and, and making eye contact. I'm sorry, Bill. I didn't go that route. I didn't think of him as, as a creepy pedophile kind of guy. Not really wanting to go there. I mean, he was a creepy bloke wanting to keep to himself. But I see that he was playing his hand too strongly. Dark friend, I think from a couple earlier in the book when, when Lan and Ma Rain were with the kids. It might have been Barrelan. I forget exactly what city. But the guy with the scar, he was dark and creepy, but he kind of kept to himself and sat in the back. And he kind of stood out that way, but not a lot. Howl Goad probably should have been a little more transparent, a little more hidden in the crowd, because he immediately stood out, immediately kind of gave off creepy bloke vibes. And Matt was, or Matt Grand were like, yeah, that guy's not right. He is probably a dark person. One thing we'll notice is that dark friends come in all shapes and sizes, and some could be wicked evil, evil genius, smartest guy in the room, or some could be of a lower rank or maybe lower intelligence. Anybody can be a dark friend, I guess. Compare this to the Harry Potter wizarding world, where everybody's wizards and everybody has their rank and, and, and social status, since we're Around the main characters, we see Dumbledore and Voldemort and, uh, and all these other very high-level, high-status kind of wizards. But then you get Terry Shumpert? I forget the first name, but basically the guy who uh, was the uh, ticket taker on the night bus in Prisoner of Azkaban. That instilled, when I first read that book and read that scene, it also gave me the realization that, you know, there's social statuses and you can be a kind of a low-rung type of wizard, but still be part of the wizarding world, but different kind of social statuses. So dark friends in the Wheel of Time also have that. And we'll find that in the next chapter, that there are varying social statuses of dark friends. They don't discriminate. They'll accept anybody who accepts the Lord of Shadows into, into their life. The boys, they do their first set. They go eat. You know, Rain goes out, you know, realizes, oh, this is Hal Goad from White Bridge. He must have popped it over here to catch us. And like I said, as the, you know, they hear the word, he was in and out of different inns. He was about to leave this inn, caught sight of the boys, and turned around and came back. All this was seen by the boys. So once again, he may have the, the money and the wealth and the status, but not the chutzpah or the, or the knowledge to, to stay low or stay in the shadows and, and to avoid detection. It is what it is. It could be a plot point or it could... Like I said, I see it as a part where you, you realize that dark friends have varying levels of status and intelligence. They come back, they do the second set. You know, we know, we know the story. They, they get walked up to their conveniently room with no lock all the way in the back. Don't know why the bouncers have to escort them to their rooms, but that's how Hake wanted it. And then I agree with, I agree with Bill at the last second. Hake says, you know what? I can't take the chance on losing two good bouncers if this, if this, Red-headed tall guy can really wield that sword as someone deserving of a heron marked blade. So he's like, "All right, you know, shut it down tonight. We'll get it. We'll, we'll try to get it back in here, you know, tomorrow or while they're sleeping." And I love the suspense set up by Jordan as the boys wedge the door, block the door. One thing that that Bill and Rich forgot to mention is as they were trying to pry out the door during one lightning flash. They see two or three or four large gentlemen 
outside the inn down in the rain and mud and muck. They don't know if it takes guys or if it's goads guys, but definitely a bad guy. Bad guys are out there. They can't go through the door they came into, obviously, because they'll give up that they're trying to leave and then get pounced on. They're trying to go out the window, then they find out it has bars. So they try to pry the bars off. Dozens of nails. Plus, now they see there's people outside the inn waiting for them if they happen to get out the window. Go comes to the door and trying to plead with the boys. Have you have you heard the news? Have you heard the good news? The 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 dark one wishes to have you join him in his army. Whatever. So it was at this time that Matt decides, why don't we just give up? in theory, to goad and then escape from him somewhere down the line. And Rand starts to put everything together. Can't go out the front door. We have goad or hake. Maybe goad killed, maybe goad's men killed hake's men. We don't we have no idea. Windows are barred. There's guys outside waiting for us. There's no way out. And the phrase kept, no way out. No way out. There's got to be a way out. And Boom. By some force of nature in the world of the Wheel of Time, lightning strikes at the exact moment, at the exact time, to not only eliminate all enemies present, but not seriously harm Rand or not seriously harm Matt and give them a way out. Now, we can say this is a Taviren moment. It could be something more. Those who have read the series, I, I mean, have a general idea of what this moment means. I would like to go into this a little bit more in the next chapter. But I agree with Bill. This is one of the key, key moments of the entire series happened in this moment. Rand was like, way out. We have to have a way out. Boom, they got it. And the boys don't have no idea what's going on. They didn't know who the men were outside. They don't know what happened to Goad, but it's silent on that end. The way out. And I love the moment of, I don't know if you want to call it moment of clarity, but as soon as Rand sees all this happen, his instinct is to, oh, the lamp's knocked over. Let me go pick it up. And Jordan even said, in Rand's mind, it was the most important thing in the world to make sure that the lamp was upright. That's, it's such a simple thing, but it, it gives you an idea of, of the mindset to, to go literally in the snap of fingers from impending doom and no way out and just back into a corner and boom, oh, the lamp knocked over. Okay, then I'll go fix it. Things are progressing. Definitely in the story. So we'll, we'll hear more about that. Yeah, chapter 33, The Dark Weights. You know, normally I have a page of notes. Uh, maybe I'll go to a page and a half. I have one, two, I have two and a half full pages of notes of what happens in chapter 33. So Rich and I will dive into that chapter. Uh, sorry, Rich, got to call you on it. Adding to the creep factor when you said I like chunky. Please, please, please mean that you like chunky bars candy? Okay. All right. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to stop here. Here's readings with Rob. 
And once again, congratulations to Bill. We will be advising all of our listeners when the uh, new addition to, to the Bill family happens. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks. And now, the Taveren present to you Readings with Rob. Chapter 32, Four Kings in Shadow. Rand glanced back at the window just as the lightning split the sky, and he almost groaned. The brief flash of light showed men outside, ignoring the rain that drenched them as they stood watching the window. I tired of this, Goad announced. You will submit to my master, to your master, or you will be made to submit. That would not be pleasant for you. The great lord of the dark rules death, and he can give life in death, or death in life as he chooses. Open this door. One way or another, your running is at an end. Open it, I say. He must have said something else, too, for suddenly a heavy body thudded against the door. It shivered, and the wedges slid a fraction of an inch with a grate of rust rubbing off on wood. Again and again, the door trembled as bodies hurled themselves at it. Sometimes the wedges held, sometimes they slid another tiny bit. And bit by tiny bit, the door crept inexorably inward. Submit, Goad demanded from the hall. Or spend eternity wishing that you had. If we don't have any choice. Matt licked his lips under Rand's stare. His eyes darted like the eyes of a badger in a trap. His face was pale, and he panted as he spoke. We could say yes, and then get away later. Blood and ashes, Rand. There's no way out. The words seemed to drift to Rand through wool stuffed in his ears. No way out. Thunder muttered overhead and was drowned in a slash of lightning. Have to find a way out. Goad called to them, demanding, appealing. The door slid another inch towards being opened. A way out. Light filled the room, flooding vision. The air roared and burned. Rand felt himself picked up and dashed against the wall. He slid down in a heap, ears ringing, and every hair on his body trying to stand on end. Dazed, he staggered to his feet. His knees wobbled, and he put a hand against the wall to steady himself. He looked around in amazement. The lamp, lying on its side on the edge of one of the few cells, still clinging to the walls, still burned and gave light. All the barrels and crates, some blackened and smoldering, lay toppled where they had been hurled. The window, bars and all, and most of the wall too, had vanished leaving a splintered hole. The roof sagged, and tendrils of smoke fought the rain around the jagged edges of the opening. The door hung off its hinges, jammed in the doorframe at an angle slanting into the hall. With a feeling of woozy unrealty, he stood the lamp up. It seemed the most important thing in the world was making sure it did not break. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at Pod with your request. And that was Readings with Rob. Now, I have to say, Rich, I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know what part he chose. <laughs> but I hope, I hope he chose a part, part with Gove in it, because <laughs> I really want to hear he it. He probably did. I really want to hear if he puts on like a really creepy voice. I want him to either do a Cartman impression like I did, or like a Michael Jackson impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that'd be good. Hey, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk to you.
Anyway, <laughs> apologies to people who do like Michael Jackson out there. <laughs> you, you have problems. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have lots of problems. <laughs> I've got 99 problems, but Jacko ain't one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, my brain's all over the place. I really need a coffee. Um, but yes, so, guys, that was uh, <clears throat> The Four Kings in Shadow, which, like I say, whenever I think back to the Wheel of Time series, I always remember the moment of the lightning hitting the thing because I had to read it like four or five times to try and understand what happened. <laughs> and, <I was> like, <laughs> and I realized, like, he doesn't actually describe what happens properly, so I don't know what happened. It's just like Matt says, oh, lightning hit the thing. And it's just like, yeah, but how did that take out the people by the door? <laughs> um, but the next chapter, chapter 33 for next week that you all have to read is The Dark Weights. And it's a chunky yeah. one. It's a chunky one, Rich. I like chunky. You like chunky. <laughs> Kit Kat chunky. Mm, Kit Kat chunky with peanut butter. Tasty, tasty, tasty. So yeah, get you it. need food. Yeah, I do. I'm so hungry. I, I'm, I've literally I've got an orange in my hands, and I've just been playing with it the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> just like Matt playing with his balls. Um, <laughs> but yes, the dark weights is the next chapter, chapter thirty-three. And like I say, guys, I'll I'll miss you all for a couple of months. You know, I, I will be back. I'm having a baby. <laughs> yeah. So I need to, I need to prioritize, you know, human life over podcasting, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. But I will be back. Don't you fear. So, you know, apologies for having to leave you with, uh, in Richie's hands. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Things happen. It's fine. Rich is, Rich is going to love it. He's going to get like oh, weeks and weeks of really good sleep. Yeah, <laughs> but yes um, uh, to the We The Time community love you all I'll, I'll be back soon I'm just waiting for the pattern to weave me back because at the moment it's spitting me out in the sewer somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah with with a baby yeah in a baby down in the gutters uh, the, it's the um, <laughs> not the dragon reborn what should we call it the chameleon no what's a weird lizard name <laughs> a gecko a gecko yeah the gecko reborn <laughs> my, my mystical child the gecko reborn uh, and we will return uh, i will return at some point but yes i'll leave you in the capable hands of rich and rob in the meantime but um yeah i feel like i'm saying goodbye forever but it's you're not i know but i'm, I'm no one's gonna i'm not gonna be on this podcast for like almost two months so i'm, I'm very sad eh, very okay. very sad but yes you'll be back for the first of the year uh ish close no close. I'll, I'll be going well into uh, no probably mid mid to late january i think yeah. It depends when the baby's born. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, yes. Anyway, I'm off to the Four Kings for a pint. I hear they've got a good juggler on tonight. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's your round, mate. I'm following. <laughs> right. Actually, wait. I'm not technically here. Remember? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm still far away. Oh, yeah. You're, you're off playing with walls. <laughs> yep. Oh, I guess, it, I guess it's my round. No. No, it's Rob's round. Yes. Definitely Rob's round. Right. I'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Lan. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert, I know that girl from Berlon said weird things to you. 
but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... Podcasters Assemble! Podcasters Assemble Season 2 is a hype slash rewatch podcast that's reviewing every movie in the Star Wars Skywalker saga and a countdown to the release of Episode 9. As with Season 1, where we covered all of the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we want to hear from you about your favorite things in the Star Wars films. You can submit audio for just one of the movies in the Skywalker saga, or you can send in an audio file for every single one. Talk about what you love about the film, your favorite like light side moment versus dark side moment, or your favorite music cue, your favorite quote, or your favorite ship or vehicle in the movie. If you go to probablywork.com and look for Podcasters Assemble, you'll find these instructions as well as a link on where to go to submit your audio. In order to make sure we have time to edit everything, we're looking for you to submit your audio a couple days before. So the deadline for the first episode is going to be October 20th. And then it's weekly after that. So for episode two, it's October 27th and so on from there. Again, you can find the schedule and all of this information at probablywork.com. Whether you're a podcaster, a YouTuber, a streamer, or just a fan of Star Wars, we want to hear from you. So head to probablywork.com or look up at Casters Assemble on Twitter and share your thoughts about Star Wars. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.